lots and lots of spoilers. Welcome once again to Max Mike Movies, where we put the sin in cinema and the odd in podcast. Oh, excuse me, I'm putting some sin in right now. Thank, oh, good. Whisk it in uh, evenly. Ooh. This week is our special executive platinum limited edition foil embossed extension of our semi-real people series. An extension so exclusive, so elite, that only our most loyal, intelligent, and well-manicured listeners even have access to it. Oh, you didn't have to sign up for it. We know who you are. (laughs) Know where you are. We don't like that chair you just got. But we'll let it go. This time... (laughs) Our episode today is a bit of a departure in that it's animated, and it's not technically about anyone terribly famous. I mean, it's fam- the person is famous because they made this movie, 2007's Persepolis, which is an autobiographical animated film written and co-directed by the subject, the uh, author, director, and political activist Marjane Satrapi, And it tells the story of her life growing up in Iran's turbulent history in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. I am your two-dimensional black-and-white host, Max Levine. And over there, wearing a black turtleneck, smoking a galois, and using a copy of Sartre's Being and Nothingness to prop up his iPhone, is that nabob of nihilism, Mike Luce. Uh, we are all born a stratic grave? Well done. Yeah, I'm so hip, I have trouble seeing over my pelvis. So, uh, but hey, you know, before we get to all the fun stuff, don't we have some poll answers to hear? We do, we do. First of all, from Vladislaw Raznik, (laughs) What was the question? Oh, no, no, that's the, he was the uh, poll who wrote in. Uh, Aha! Thank you! I will kill you. Yes, fair enough. <laughs> and Last I have rescinded all your bumpy bucks. <laughs> oh, come on. All of them. You, you can't you can't do that. You'll crash the entire server. Bumpy bucks are now are now a cryptocurrency. Oh dear gods, are our podcasts now available as NFTs? Yes, they are. Every uh, single one of them minimum bid $25 million. Yeah, sure. Right. Yeah. Right. Last week's poll question. Has a movie adapted from another source, be it book, video game, theme park ride, or breakfast cereal? I am still waiting for Cinnamon Toast Crunch, the movie. Cinnamon uh, Toast Crunch. <laughs> ever exceeded your expectations? If so, what movie? We had a few responses. Yay. From our most weaselly listener, the Wheeze, <laughs> I think my top two are the original Ninja Turtles movie from 1990. It's still a great movie, and I think it holds the record for most successful indie film. I think that's right. Hmm. And Into the Spider-Verse. That film, with its animation style and quick quips, is one of my top five of all time. Interesting. I gotta say, I, I agree with the Ninja Turtle one. When I when that came out, I wasn't a huge Ninja Turtle fan, but I thought the movie was just going to be awful. And I remember thinking, this is like a really fun Champions game, you know, superhero <laughs> role play. That's what it reminded me of. Well, I can only respond, go Ninja, go Ninja, go. <laughs> that was the second one. <laughs> They did not. In, they did not attempt to vanilla ice us until the second movie. Hey, without vanilla ice, what are the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? I ask you, uh, and many people will tell you. Uh, <laughs> from from our most genetically connected member Val, uh, I will 
Quote, I will say, I thought the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie exceeded expectations. The ride is cute and silly. I thought the movie would be kind of dopey. It was actually a fun adventure. I like the second one, too. I was with you up until the, the second sentence. <laughs> uh, the last sentence. I, did, I, I agree. I, did, I thought that it was going to be a disaster. I thought it was going to be a joke. Mm. And it's a lot of fun, the first one. Yeah, the first one. And then, aren't there four of them or something? I believe there are, in fact, five. I see. Yeah. <laughs> Only you can prevent Forrest yeah. Gump. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, with our international contingent, Ooh. Uh, Vince, I am with Val with Pirates of, the, Pirates of the Caribbean's movie, although I was really surprised how much I like Hellboy 1 and 2. No others were made after that as far as I'm concerned. That is fair. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh my! I mentioned. Oh my God! Haunted Mansion, Tomorrowland, soon Jungle Cruise. Ugh. Yeah. I you know, the I, I I enjoy the first Hellboy better than the second one. The second one's very pretty. Um, I I'm re I've recently started rereading Hellboy. I don't think they actually quite nail Hellboy, but I do mm. enjoy them. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, I didn't see Haunted Mansion. I didn't I see saw Tomorrowland. part of it. I saw. I, I believe I saw Tomorrowland. I remember nothing about it. Mm. So you can't prove it. But what about yeah. you, Max? Has there ever been yeah. an adaptation that exceeded? Absolutely, yeah. The uh, Lord of the Rings. I was sure that was going to stink. Mm. I thought it was going. I was like, no, there's no way you can do this. Yeah. No, no one's done it. I mean, it, that that uh, Ralph Bakshi thing. Nice try, but it didn't really work. I thought it was impossible, and I remember walking out out of Fellowship of the Ring, going, "Oh my God, they did it! Yeah. They actually did it!" Yeah. That's the big one for me. What about you? Uh, you know, strangely, I had forgotten that as an option. <laughs> it's really? only you know huge, and I've only read the yeah. damn thing thirteen times. But there you go. Yeah, same thing. And there were things that that he edited out that I wish he hadn't, but also understand why he did. Mm. Um, Tom Bombadil being the biggest thing. I, I totally get why he left it yep. out. I know a lot of people don't like Tom Bombadil. I do, because to me, Tom Bombadil represents the only part of the old world that's still really left. Um, Narratively, I get it, though, because it grinds the story to a complete halt. It does, and he's goofy. I mean, purposefully goofy. Um, the Wii is actually touching something that didn't occur to me, because they're not really exactly adaptations. Yeah. But most of the Marvel movies, I really did not think were going to work, and no. most of them I really like. Spider-Verse is outstanding. True. Uh, it is an amazing film. But like when I first announced Thor, I'm like, no. They're gods. You can't do this. People will rebel. They'll be they'll be picketing, <laughs> and they did it. And then it's yeah. like, okay, so it's but it's not really magic, it's just aliens. Because you're not gonna do magic, Doctor Strange. Okay, this is gonna be <laughs> oh god, it's good. Yeah. Yep. Um General and the only other one, and to be fair, I didn't read the book before I saw the movie, but the one that always stands out for me is Blade Runner. Um, oh. Android's Dream of Electric Sheep, I've read. I'm not a big Philip K. Dick fan. He's got great ideas, but his characters don't do anything for me. But Blade Runner, I think, far exceeds its original material. Um, and interestingly, <laughs> I have not read the book from this week's movie, but from what I understand, it's actually a pretty good adaptation. So... Mm. But uh, we're probably yeah. going to poke at people next week, aren't we? Or yeah. this week? Yep, this week. We, uh, basically, this is just sort of a variant on last week's question. Go the other way. Is there a book that you really like and would really like to see made into a movie, but no one's done it yet? And if so, which book? 
I vote for Tower of Time. (laughs) 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 That's a real, real, real deeper. And hey, you folks may find out what we're talking about at some point if Max never finished that little project. Because, yeah, Max Mike Movies presents. Mm. Yeah, so uh, you will tell you at the end of the show, Max will tell you at the end of the show how to contact us is if you don't already yep. know to answer our poll question, and we'll remind you of it. But uh, hey, is there any trivia for Persepolis? There might be. There's a oh, little. Yeah. Not very much, but there's some. But first, uh, there's a pause. The show. And now we're back. The budget... So this was seven point three million. The worldwide gross was over twenty-two million. Cool. So this was a success. Uh, it also was nominated for the Oscar for Best Animated Feature Film in two thousand seven. It lost to uh, one of your favorites, Ratatouille. I mean, Kelsey it's a very Freeze, different right? kind of movie. Yeah, and I do like Ratatouille, but it basically it's hard not to. They just give it to Disney films. It's kind of too yeah, bad, but yeah. Um, it, this will come as a great shock, but the government of the nation of the of the Republic of Iran was not very fond of this movie. What? Con- yes, I'll, I'll give you a minute to control your shock. Uh, and the government sent a letter to the French embassy in Tehran protesting the movie and pressured the organizers of the 2007 Bangkok Film Festival to drop it from the lineup, which they did. Mm, great. Yeah. Uh, ca- the voice of Marjane's mother is Catherine Deneuve. Well, she's got a lot of Deneuve. <laughs> a, a major French actress who I'm sad to say we really, you, probably you and I only know her from her Oil of Olay commercials. She was in something and it wasn't good and I can't remember what it was. But She yeah. was in a terrible horror movie at one point. Mm. Any, actually, I think she was in several. Uh, she voices Marjane's mother and the woman who voices Marjane herself, Chiara Mastriani, is her daughter. Catherine Deneuve's or Marjane's? Catherine, Catherine Deneuve's daughter. Oh, cool. so they actually are mother and daughter. Uh, they also do the voices in the English version, too. Oh, there was and, an uh, English version? There was. There was a dubbed version with all sorts of celebrity voices, and no one, w- and no one saw it. Oh, okay, good. I, I saw it in French, so... Yeah, so did ever you were supposed to see it in French. Okay. And uh, there's a sequence, by the way, where Chiara Mastriani as Marjane sings Eye of the Tiger. <laughs> and she sings it really off-key because Marjane Satrapi herself demanded she do so. She said, I can't sing, you have to sing this off-key. <laughs> and Chiara Mastriani, among other things, is a trained singer, so she really had to work at singing it wrong. <laughs> It is one of the funnier sequences in the film. Uh, the title Persepolis just literally means uh, Persian city in Greek. Uh, the word is the Greek transliteration of the old Persian word Parsa, city of Persians. Parsa or Persepolis was an actual ancient city that existed in Persia around 550, 330 BC. And the ruins are can still be seen in southern Iraq. Sorry, southern Iran. Those countries are one letter away from peace. The graphic novel was, uh, but not the movie, has a sequel. Although, as Mike has told me, and I didn't know this until he told me before before the show, the sequel, Persepolis, The Story of a Return, actually ends where the movie ends. The movie is, in effect, the whole, both Persepolis and Persepolis 2. Hey, quick backpedaling. Do you know why she chose that as the title? I do not. 
I went looking it up because I was confused because I thought, oh, maybe it's the old name of uh, Tehran, which seems to be where she's from, or at least the suburbs it, thereof. That's where she grew up. She was born in another part of Iran. Yeah, So it, and it wasn't. So yeah. uh, she chose the name, apparently, um, which is, as you said, they originated from the ancient Greek term for uh, that city in Iran, uh, in order to convey the message that the current state of Iran comes from thousands of years of background, not just the recent hostile events. Interesting. So... Uh, the graphic novel was also, as is the movie, the graphic novel is also in French, as Marjane Satrapi lived in France for a big chunk of her life. Well, I had to look that up, too, because one of my questions was, why are they speaking French? And The French had a tremendous influence in Iran in the 20th century. Yep. Uh, I, I do... Th- yep. Well, it's important because it's mostly the uh, the elite or the more wealthy people not only spoke French regularly, but went to French schools like she did. So her position, which she doesn't shy away from, but she doesn't exactly underline either, is that she's grew up in an upper middle class family and <laughs> so had access to this. It also turns out that Quebec is a very popular place for Iranians to immigrate. And hmm. so a lot of them learn French so that they can go there. Um, hmm. Apparently its usage has fallen somewhat out of favor and it's not as popular. Um, and some terms from French have just been adopted into the language, which is either known as Farsi or Persian by Iranians. Yeah. Like, they'll correct you if you say Farsi, apparently, because I was reading something by an Iranian who said, yeah, it's back and forth. I've had other Iranians correct me and say, no, Persian. Which, yeah. You know, whatever. But, Technically, yeah. it's, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I am uh, I am absconding with the trivia segment. That's okay. That's pretty much it. Oh. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much all I've got. So, yeah, not a lot. I guess with an, nope. an animated film, there's not, it's not as controversial to make, to actually make the film, the making of it, because it's people drawing for hours and hours and hours. It's not like, you know, there was a stuntman who broke his head or, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, shall you uh, give us a story, Daddy? Sure. Based on the autobi- on an autobiographical graphical novel, Persepolis is the story of Marjane Satrapi, a young girl growing up in Iran in the 70s. Through her eyes, we see the turbulent times in Tehran with the fall of the Shah, the Iran-Iraq war, and the rise in political power of religious extremism and the mullahs in her country. We follow her to Vienna, where she finds a new kind of freedom, but ultimately misses home and returns. But with the increasingly difficult situation in Iran of the 90s, she she finds she cannot stay and returns to Europe. That's pretty much it. It's basically her life from about age six to her, to her early 20s. The Lowdown. So, why did you choose this film? Or had, You hadn't seen it before. Oh, no, you had. I had. I saw it when it came out, back in the 2007. Possible I waited till video in 2008. I can't remember. Mm. But uh, I, I, wanted, I just wanted to try something different. I mean, we've been doing biopics about really famous people, mostly artists and such, and while Marjane Satrapi is an artist, most people don't know who she is. Hmm. And this, while this enjoyed some popularity, it's not like, I can't really say she's a major historical figure. But, and also, I just thought it was a really interesting idea to do an, to do an autobiography in animation. It's just, you know, like Alison Bechtel doing Fun Home. Hmm. And it, sometimes it really works, and I think it really works here. I haven't read the graphic novel, but I think the way the movie is done and the way, the way she uses animation is really cool and is really evocative. I agree. I thought that the animation and the images were not only beautiful, but they were amazingly effective, considering they're very simple. 
Mm. Um, we're not talking Disney level here, which is fine because I think that would just distract from the story, which is really more important. Yeah, they don't go for hyper-realism either. I mean, it's fairly real, but there are sequences like she, when she's a little girl, she has a run-in with two women who are basically the forerunners of the Islamic religious police mm. who start you know, bugging her about she's wearing uh, American sneakers and she has like a Michael Jackson patch on her jacket. And they portray them as almost serpentine. They have no arms. They're just these black shapes with human faces that twist in these weird, inhuman ways. It makes them... And you're like, yeah, a kid would find this absolutely terrifying. And I could see how a kid would would even see them that way. I love that she had a jacket that said, Punk Lives on it. (laughs) It's like, do you have any idea what that means? No. Probably not. not really. It didn't matter. I like when she's going down the, the street with all the black market or trying to, you know, lipstick, cosmetic, you know. <laughs> Jekyll Maxson. Jekyll Maxson. <laughs> <laughs> he was my favorite of the brothers, you know. Oh, right, yeah. right up there with Tito. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes, and the guy that what gets her, metallic, no, sorry, Iron Maiden. And all I could think was, Iron Maiden, excellent! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bogus. Uh yeah, that was one of the things that I thought was interesting. And, of course, we, we never, being where we are the in the countries that create some of this stuff, we have no idea how our popular culture, which we inflict on the rest of the world, yeah. other people see or how they, they perceive it or, you know, what it means to them. And in this case, all of this stuff pops up like... Iron Maiden. Um, she actually ends up, when she gets to Vienna, she goes to it. I have to call Vienna Thrash Metal Club, uh, <laughs> which was hilarious. Yeah. But uh, she also has the Michael Jackson button or Jekyll Maxson, depending on who you are. <laughs> uh, punk lives. All this stuff, and they're, they like crave it. They, they, all of this stuff from the West, which I guess represents freedom because i don't even know if they have any idea what they're singing about right well it also represents a massively powerful marketing engine but it's not just that to other people it represents the worst parts of the west it represents decadence it represents capitalism unchecked it represents godlessness that's one of the reasons all of it was banned in iran and a lot of it still is Uh, it's just very looked down upon i mean let's become it's very, we are also really good at infiltrating other cultures with our stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I will but, say, too, the things like sneakers, I still don't quite get, because to me, the only thing that sneakers represent is comfortable shoes. <laughs> yeah, but they got Nike and Adidas and all the, the big names were, were mostly American. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, it's, all, it's very difficult. In some ways, this is a really alien culture to me, mm-hmm. to all of us. And I can't help noticing, she glosses over a few things. I mean, this takes place in the 70s. We, there's no mention in, seven, of the, in 79 of the American hostages. Yep. Yeah. Which, you know, we lived through. We were there. We weren't there. But <laughs> we were here, but yeah, we, we were, were here, here there, not yeah. there, here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, but I actually understand why she didn't. And I, I actually really appreciate her depiction because she's not trying to do a history 
of Iran, I think. Mm. What she's trying to do is give people a view of what the people are like in Iran, not the government, not the outward-seeming face. There's actually another graphic novelist. Uh, he's not particularly well-known either, which is sad. Uh, it was written by a French guy. Um, again, French. I don't know what it was mm. the French. Ah, Francais, we should speak French to each other because apparently it's the language of graphic novel. Um, we're name very is, cosmopolitan here at Max Mike Movies. Maybe. Uh, his name is Guy DeLille, and uh, I first came across uh, his graphic novel, Pyongyang. And what it's about is, as an animator, he was actually hired to go work in the capital of North Korea. Mm. And so he does a graphic novel of what it's like to live, as admittedly as an outsider, in the capital city of North Korea. And he's not talking about the government so much what he's trying to do is show what it's like to be just a regular person and it's very eye-opening because according to, to his depiction those people have almost no real idea of what the world is like outside their borders yeah. it's all mm -hmm. fed to them and there's parts of uh, uh satrapi's work here where she talks about how they start cutting things out and the communication is you know here and gone there's actually a follow-up um, there was a big election a uh, number of years, I think it was 2009, um, in Iran, where they were hoping to elect somebody who was far left conservative. And some people asked her if they could do like a Persepolis continued. And it's only about four pages long. I actually read it on, on, the, on the internet. And it was the same thing. They basically started cutting off modes of communication. So people, the only way they could get actual news was through Twitter and social mm. media. But I think that that's why she doesn't dwell on... The, she doesn't dwell really on the attacks as much either. She does talk about it's like, well, we're being hit from everybody. And everybody... Well, she talks a lot about the Iran-Iraq war because it was affecting her. We do see it through her eyes. That's right. the thing. It's not like she's not trying to embody the whole country. No. She's not trying to speak for all Iranians. She's saying, this was my experience. This is, what this is how it affected my family. This is when we ran from people. This is where we hid this is how, you know, my uncle, poor uncle Anoush, who is a real sweetie, but dangerously naive mm. and ends up dying in prison. Yeah. But I think that and she's really trying to show us what the actual people are like as opposed to the government. Yeah. And I understand that because, of course, how many of us had any access to an actual Iranian person in the 70s and 80s? Strangely. Well, we did. We did, yeah. And in high school, there was at least one kid. I remember his there name. Were two. Was, I knew Ramin. Who was the other one? Piruz. Oh, Piruz was from Iran? Okay. Yes, he was. In fact, I think he was like an aristocratic family. Okay. Well, I'm guessing both of them were if they got out. Uh -oh. Ramin no, was from Tehran. I mean, he was mm -hmm. actually from Tehran. And all I knew about Ramin is he was a nice guy. Like, that's it. I, I didn't know that much about him, but except and that he was from Iran, and it must have been really tough for him. But I just knew he was, he was way too cool. He, he, he was, was a nice cool. guy, but it was like, nope, I can't hang out with him. He's too cool. <laughs> he was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I get that she left stuff out for the historical and the political stuff, because it, at least in the film, it looks like her family just, you know, and the people that she knew just wanted to live their lives. You know, they wanted freedoms like people mostly want. They wanted some form of democratic government. Uh, they talked about getting rid of the Shah and the ruling family and how that was going to be a good thing. And of course, or the previous royal family and how that was going to be a good thing and how it turned out to be not a good thing. And Well, it might have been a good, th it, it was a good thing. The Shah was awful. 
And it's also, it's difficult for us in America to talk to about it because the Shah was our buddy-buddy. Yeah, we yeah. did everything we could to prop him up because you know he was a barricade against communism. We we supported a lot of really friggin' horrible people during the Cold War because the counter to we believe the counter to communism was fascism. It's like, well, if the guy's a fascist, he's not going to he's going to want to fight the commies. This well, was, no comment on current situations here in this country. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that. And the Shah was terrible. Like overthrowing him, that was initially a really good thing. It was, but as one of like his her father or her uncle points out, when a government changes, people go a little crazy for a while. This is the same thing that happened in the French Revolution. You know what the period of time right after the revolution was called? You mm-hmm. remember that? No, well, I wasn't the, there. The terror. Ah, <laughs> that was when they were executing everybody for like, hey, you once looked, you once smiled at an aristocrat off with your head. Yeah. That, that was a really bad, violent time, too. It didn't last as long. And the problem is when there is a vacuum, you never know what's going to fill it. And what filled it was the Ayatollah and the border, basically borderline theocracy. Mm. Uh, yeah, they some of this, she doesn't mention him directly either. No, we don't, we don't hear about him, but we do see the religious police and the religious um, uh, uh, teachings that oh, the veil stands for freedom. Uh, yeah, that I, yeah, I really like that. It's like, wait a minute, really? Then if it's for freedom, why are you required to wear it? Why will you get beaten up if you don't? Well, she also brings up a very good feminist point and something that I wish that we would pay more attention to in schools. She's mm-hmm. in college at one point, and they're talking about the veil and, and how it has to be worn not only all the time, but certain ways. It has to cover so it much. It has to be longer. It has to cover more. They have to wear trousers that don't show their body shape. Right. And she stands up and basically says, what about the guys? And mm. I, I, being a guy, I totally back the way that they, they represent the guys who are all like lazing on their chairs and just like spread legged, quite honestly, mm. and just, you know, not caring about anything. And she's like, you can tell what kind of underwear they're wearing. And somehow they can wear stuff like that. And we're not supposed to be tempted, but we wear anything that shows anything. And we're tempting them and it's such a double standard right oh yeah i mean and it's still it happens here too it, oh, it sure. happened as recently as this week did you hear about the the yearbook in florida i did mm. so pl- refresh our, our the memories of our our listeners oh. the students and the parents were surprised to get this copy of their yearbook where any any of the girls who were showing too much of their shoulders or any cleavage at all had been photoshopped they had Added cloth over badly, them. very badly. Yeah, that was that was annoying too. They not only did it, they did a crappy job of it. But they they still have the boys in speedos and walking around without shirts in in casual p- pictures. But no, the women all had were being told, no, you're supposed to cover up because your bodies are are shameful and incite lustful thoughts. You know that is the idea behind the shador and the, and the hijab, where it's. Because men are sinful, and the sight of a woman will incite lustful thoughts, and therefore it is the woman's responsibility to keep covered, not the man's responsibility to maybe keep a check on those lustful thoughts there, Johnny. Yeah, um, and I really appreciated her standing up in the film and saying that, because it is, I've seen it more and more, like a lot of the mistreatment of women and the misrepresentation of women and the general bad treatment of women could be taught 
when you're in kindergarten. Like, hey, here's an idea, guys. Don't think of women like that. You know, and the pictures in this yearbook, I don't know if you saw the befores and afters. You see racier stuff in the weekly supplements advertising underwear. Yes. Like literally the amount of cleavage, quote unquote, was nothing. Underwear? You see worse than this in in ads for insurance. (laughs) Yeah. You know, flow, we're going to have to have a talk. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I really appreciated that, yeah. that portion, and I totally agree with it. It's something that should be taught in families. Hey, before kids get to school, just mm. that, no, you know, and once yeah. they get older and, you know, you have the sex talk, it's like, hey, you don't treat people like that. I don't care if you're a guy looking at another guy or a woman looking at another woman. You don't treat people like that. You don't make them conform to your problems. Yes, you don't try to... Yeah, it's the whole victim blaming, and it's the, the whole like, oh, it's all the responsibility of women, and there is something. It, it's back to the Bible, really, that, that yeah. there is inherently something sinful about women. And, you know, I'm, <sighs> in the words of Pat and Oswald, I'm glad you like a book. <laughs> but, but, you know, come on. I mean, anyway, if you want to bend that story, you could say, well, she was the one smart enough to actually try the apple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But we're not going to get into a big, yeah, long that, that's, religious that, that's getting off. Of, what I liked is she also doesn't shy away from the flaws in her own character. The reason she does that, well, one of the reasons she stands up in class is based on an incident that happened before where basically she's get, about to get in trouble with the religious police because she's wearing makeup and high heels. And to save herself, she throws this poor guy to the wolves. Yeah. You know, when the police are about to uh, talk to her or detain her, she's like, oh, sir, please help me. That man over there insulted me. And, you know, he did kind of like look at her and go, huh? But that was it. And he ends up getting beaten up and arrested. And her grandmother tells her, I can't believe you were that selfish. That was a horrible thing to do. That's no integrity. You, you don't do that. You, have every, you always have a choice. And that, I think, is one of the things that inspires her. The grandmother is a great character. Oh, I'd say she's possibly the best character. She, she is, is so cool. She is cool. She has all the answers. She knows yeah. what's going on. And she's not... Like, the only time she admonishes her in the movie is a time when she really should, which, you know, yeah. Max just said. But she's also obviously the person that Marjane uh, looks up to most and goes to as her sort of moral compass. And the grandma's not without quote-unquote sin either. Because when... Later in the film, when Marjane has come back and she decides to get married, sadly it doesn't work out. Um, her grandmother's like, "Oh yeah, that's fine. The first marriage is just practice for the second one. You're gonna." Oh, be fine. I like that. I yeah. know that's great. It was because she's like, <laughs> "I didn't know either. You know, I didn't know how. Basically, I didn't know how horrible guys could be. So <laughs> now that I knew, I make sure to pick the right guy. So that's yeah. you know, don't worry about it." And like the advice she gives her when she's going off to Europe, you know, people are going to be jerks. They're yeah. going to hurt you. You know, you don't hold on to it. Don't. To be petty or vengeful, the, the grandmother, you know, everything that comes out of her mouth is gold, basically. Yeah, I also was just like when they toss off the fact that it's like, ah, get a divorce. Like I did not know that that was so easy a thing to do in that area of the world or in, in, in that religion. Uh, there are parts of oh, I can't remember if it's Persian or Arabic culture where all you have to do, culturally, not legally, is say I divorce you three times. And you are divorced. I thought Again, Beetlejuice showed up. <laughs> no, no, that's Bloody Mary. Uh, huh? <laughs> uh, I think we just referenced ourselves out of this show. Yeah, yeah. But it was interesting because, again, you know, here's things as an average American guy I don't know anything about. And so, it, like, seeing how 
seeing these people as people was the probably the best part of this movie because I don't know anything about Iranians. I, you know, Iranians, I, I don't know any, and I don't know anything about the culture. I'm lucky enough to work where I do. I have a lot of folks that are of Chaldean descent, so I get to find out about stuff about Chaldean. Uh, short story, great food. Because uh, <laughs> whenever they bring stuff to work, it's like, ooh, what's that? Um, and so a lot of uh, Middle Eastern folks, and, you know, so you, that's how you learn. I know little bits of a bunch of different languages because I've known people from different countries. I know how to say hello and how are you in Turkish because one of my coworkers is Turkish. So, hey, there you go. Hmm. But probably the best thing about the film is basically wading through the history or textbook stuff that we think we know and getting to see the people. And what do they do? We want to go out to a party. Okay, we have to keep it quiet because we'll get in trouble. But we just want to go and ha- dance and have yep. fun. Like, yep, we, we want to drink and smoke and have a good time and... So and, I, but but the thing that is different is the the terror. Yeah. The oh god, the someone's called the police, and now now we all have to run away and hide. I mean, there's a sequence where they're running from the police because they were at a party with dancing, mm-hmm. and actually because there was a party with men and women together, right. and they're chasing these guys across a rooftop, and one of them jumps to another building, and doesn't make it. Yep. He dies because Which he was at a party. I'm willing to believe is true. I don't oh, know yeah. if it is, but it's, it's just. Why would she lie about that? No, no, I, th- that is true. That's a okay. real event. Well, you know, because we're sitting there, well, we are looking at a story. Let's be fair. There's yeah. likely to have been some editing going on because I don't know about your life, but if I just told my life exactly what has happened, boring. Yeah, yeah. And this film does read like a story as opposed to just an account. Um, but I, there was nothing in it that felt convenient like oh yeah well good thing this happened so we could feel this no it all and it's so weirdly mixed with humor like things are like it's the it's tehran it's being bombed right it's this and then suddenly there's something that's really funny which Mm. i was not expecting like i didn't know there was going to be the amount of humor that it was and it's not overdone that's the weird part like when it pops up it's not this weird abrasive shocking it's like, not zany or out. It it doesn't change the tone. No, um, you know, like when she sings, <laughs> she sings "Eye of the Tiger" of all things in English. Like, in it, well, of course, because yeah, which I think is Journey. Um, really, yeah, I think so. It's the theme to one of the Rocky films. I don't remember yeah. which one. Uh, four. Who cares? But it's like you, I, I just cringe when I hear that song. Anyway, but the song obviously meant something and just suddenly having that makes you laugh and i think part of that is on a very tiny scale it's kind of like how they could laugh being in the circumstances that they were in it's like sometimes you just need to and i think the directors she's one of them were very smart it's like this can't just be all dour and depressing let there was humor there let's make sure it's there i mean there was some that just came out of nowhere that really surprised me like they go to a godzilla movie (laughs) I'm like, well, they showed, go- and I'm thinking, oh, why wouldn't they? It's not Western culture. It's they don't they don't have anything against Japan. Well, importantly, did you know which Godzilla film it was? Of course, you knew. No, I don't know which one. Oh, it's very simple. It's the first one. It has oh. to be because that's the one where Godzilla is actually killing people, as opposed to friend of all children. Ah, uh, okay. wait, I thought it was Gamera <laughs> was friend of all children. Well, yeah, you know, same thing. Um, yeah, I, I, and I like the fact that her grandmother is doing the same thing that everyone's grandmother does in a movie theater, which is talking. Why didn't he? Why is he just standing there? He's going to get stepped on. Why doesn't he move out of the way? 
idiot. <laughs> Grandma, shh. Like, oh, she, God. She has a point. <laughs> what point? How should I know? My head hurts. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I was surprised. I guess seeing the Western, the way the Western culture pops up, because it's literally whatever they can get. It's not, you said, talked about marketing earlier. Well, it's not like Electra Records is like opening stores there, you know, <laughs> And there's one direction or something. It's literally whatever can get cult, you know, smuggled in. Yeah. Um, and I, so I they, like how they're smuggling in like the Bee Gees. And then I like, like the, oh. her friend says the Bee Gees are for wimps. No, Abba's for wimps. Oh, no, she says the Bee Gees no, no, are no. for wimps. Somebody shows the Bee Gees and oh. then she, they show Abba and it's like, no, oh, Abba's for okay. wimps. And it's like, oh. you realize it's basically the same thing. It's like, oh yeah, I see. BGs are hardcore. ABBA is for wimps. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Again, some of the stuff with the animation, getting back to that, Mm -hmm. one of the parts I really like is how they they animate her going through puberty. I mean, that's something like my nose got too big and then one one leg was too long. And it's literally like, her nose goes out here and her chest overdevelops and her butt gets to... You know, so then that changed my center of gravity. She's like falling over. It's like it's literally her entire body is changing in the space of twenty seconds. It, it's really funny and really painful because it's like, yes, that is how you feel when your body is changing like that. That was, I think, a really good depiction of it. I agree. It was like, how do you make this awkwardness feel the way you felt when you were that age? And and she, the way she's talking, when she finally says the part is like, you know, and then my butt grew, which reset my center of gravity. And you're like, you're waiting for this, this hum- homunculus. And it's just her. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, that's how she fe- She looks like this, but she feels like this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if that's how they did it in the comic or not, but there's sometimes when you look at animation, and this is where animation really gets the short shrift in a lot of well, I can't even say Western culture. I'm gonna have to say American culture because in Europe they actually have animation that doesn't just do kid stuff. Mm-hmm. But animation can do anything, and there are things mm-hmm. you can do with animation and comics you can't do with any other medium. And that section is a perfect example. Thanks for bringing it up, because um, how else would you depict that in a live action film? Like, would it be makeup yep. or something? And it would yeah, work? Yeah, CG. It would look ridiculous. But yeah. it's a car- because it's animated, you kind of expect it. It fits. Yeah. And it fits with the sort of sur- slightly surreal aspects we've seen. Like, uh, when, she, when uh, Marjane's neighborhood has been bombed and one of the buildings with people she knew has been destroyed, and at one point, and it's very disturbing, she looks in the rubble, she sees a hand. Yeah. And... Suddenly, every all the background around her becomes black, and she's got her hands up by her face. And for a second, she looks just like the figure in Monk's The Scream. I, you know, somehow I didn't catch that. <laughs> it's very, it's not <laughs> overdone. It's actually pretty subtle. Uh, the first time I didn't catch it, but I thought that's really good because it doesn't. It's not shoved in your face. Mm. There and, was a there was another visual thing that I picked up. I don't, and again, I don't know that it's real, mm-hmm. um, but it does point to. Uh, a French children's book. So early on, and when she's younger, uh, there's suddenly an alarm bell when she's in class. Yeah. And the teacher, who is wearing basically the nun's outfit, which, you know... The Chador, yeah. Yeah. Uh, she starts hustling the kids out into a nice solid line. I'm like, oh my god, it's just like Madeline. Do you remember that book, Madeline? Yep, yep. It, yep. 
which uh, was, I believe, was originally French. The uh, French, the uh, author was yeah. uh, Bemelman. Um, but all the little girls in a line and stuff, except for Madeline. Two, who, two straight lines. Two straight, that's right, two straight yep. lines. Uh, and I, again, I don't know if that's actually referenced, but it could be. Mm. But it was, I yeah, was no, really no, cool. I hadn't thought of that, but that visually that looks just like it. Yep, yeah. the, t- the tall, and in fact, Miss Clavel in the book, in Madeline is a nun. Yeah, and, and uh, has no feet either. No, also has no feet. <laughs> One of the um, other things I thought the animation did a really nice job, it's a later segment. But it's when she's come back to, to Iran and she is suffering from depression. Mm. And they are giving her 1980s depression antidepressants. Yeah. Which were not the best, shall we say. Oh, they were effective. You didn't feel depressed anymore. The problem is you didn't feel much of anything. Yeah, you basically were, walked around in a fog. What was it? Lithium or um, um, Dexamil No, that was an upper... I thought it was I, Flintstones I, chewables. Might have been Flintstones chewable morphine. I'm not sure. <laughs> Especially <laughs> Barney. <laughs> but the way it's depicted with her just sort of like sitting on the couch and then in her head floating aimlessly in this gray mass, uh, I thought that was a really uncomfortable and really good visual depression uh, a depiction of depression and medication. And I like that what snaps her out of it is she has this vision of God, who she's seen before, who's actually, even as a child, is a fairly reasonable God. Yeah. You know, he's not, so it's, he's not a child's God. He's actually quite like, no, you know, I, just do what you have to do. Try to be decent to people. Don't, uh, like she, when she's picking on this kid, she and her friends are going after this kid whose father may have been part of the Shah's secret police which is very uncomfortable because they're like going after him. They want to tear out his eyes. Yeah, kids go evil really quickly. Yeah, um, they do. But I and actually like the fact that she shows that because it also is not her trying to make herself out to be blameless in yeah. things. She gets caught up in it. And the god in her vision says, you know, it's not his fault. It's not his, it, it, what his father did has nothing to do with him. You can't persecute him like that. I was trying to figure out which version of God that was supposed to be. I'm assuming it's Allah. Well, and that's the thing, is it's certainly not the one you generally hear depicted. And, of course, well, depicting him is a big no-no. Yeah, so that, I mean, notice she never says it's Allah. It's not a depiction of Allah, so she's not, uh, no, n- this isn't a Charlie Hebdo situation. Well, except that she does say she wants to be a prophet, and that's where she seems to be getting yeah. her information from. So it's <laughs> more the- than a little implied. Yep, but after her uncle dies, she like doesn't she doesn't want to talk to God anymore, and he returns in this uh, uh, montage of her depression along with Karl Marx, <laughs> which is like okay, that's an interesting combination. And I like that you know, Marx is winking at God and going, yeah, "So you just have to do what you have to do," and God's like, "Yes, you have to do what you have to do." It's like, "Yes, listen to your uncle Karl. Go ahead." <laughs> Carl! <laughs> yeah. It's a really strange depiction, but that's sort of what snaps her out of it. That's when she starts doing the Eye of the Tiger montage and yeah. pulling herself back together. Well, of course, if I, if I understand correctly, and hey, if people want to write and tell me otherwise, I believe in militant uh, Islam, you're not supposed to depict anything. It, that's why to, yeah. the, it's like no people, no animals. It's just supposed to be abstract, geometric, which is why you have some, some of that amazing artwork on mosques and stuff, but it doesn't have any figures in it. It's very abstract. It, yeah. yeah. So this whole idea of her doing 
a comic in all, never mind having a representation which is pretty obviously supposed to be God, in it is pretty courageous. <laughs> I was reading about whether she could ever go back to Iran. Oh, she can go back. But well, no. She says, "I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm not going back because I honestly don't know what would happen. It's not like there's a rule book. Right. It's like if someone decided they really didn't like it, she could get locked up for the rest of her life. Oh, that's what I'm saying. She could go back. I don't know that she could come back out again. Yeah, yeah. And at least in the film, she made a promise to her mother that she would never come back, which is very sad. That, that was very touching. Her mother said, "I forbid you to come back." Mm. And it's not at all. And her parents are great too. They're also very human, very fallible. But they, the love they have for her is so absolute and unconditional, and believable. It's so touching. Yeah. Uh, do you want to uh, get to our questions? Because we still have our three yeah questions. Yeah. Let's, three. Have our, let's have our questions. Our, answer me these questions. Three. Yeah. The other side. You see. What do we know about Marjane from this movie? Pretty much uh, quite a bit. Certainly yeah. more than I did going into this movie the first time. Which could be um, zero. <laughs> yeah, I basically learned... That that's, again, a, the, why this is such a different biopic. This is a biopic where I had not heard of... before. I, I had not heard of this person before this movie. Yeah. that The autobiography created, created her in my mind. This is one of those books that I've been meaning to read for a long time. You know, like Mouse. Which, if you haven't read Mouse, an amazingly effective depiction it's it's literally a the cartoonist art spiegelman mm. doing interviews with his father who had been in auschwitz yeah and he makes it into literally a cat and mouse comic which is very simply drawn and exceedingly effective and the strange um, thing is it's not it's not impossible to read it's really hard there's a lot of holocaust uh, depictions that are just so painful this is just so matter of fact. Yeah, it's incredibly effective. It's it's genius. It's it's one of the greatest graphic novels I've ever seen. Yeah. So if you're looking for for stuff to read, this Persepolis, which is in two volumes, usually sold I think together as a set, or mm. Mouse, highly recommend. But yeah, you know it. She's telling it. Um, to be fair, that could be clouded, but we know a lot about a person, even if we don't know a lot of facts, which is fine. Yeah. Right? We don't need so, to know what year she was born. We, you know, we don't need to know what her, her, her first date was. You know, and it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter even how accurate it all is. It still paints a real picture of a real person. Well, that's the second question. How accurate is the depiction? I'm going to have to go with 100%. Well, <laughs> that's the thing about autobiographies. Yeah. You know, it's the most subjective it's one of the most subjective forms of self of expression and you have to accept the author as reliable to a degree but because it's an autobiography you know it's completely colored by their experience but it's supposed to be that's the idea of an autobiography i would guess to, i'm sorry go ahead no go no i was no. i was going to say i'm going to guess that mostly that what we what we don't know from the depiction is through leaving it out Mm -hmm. right because there's stuff there's some stuff i wouldn't want to see about my own life up somewhere it's like yeah not my best moment but mm -hmm. i but she doesn't come across as infallible she doesn't come across anywhere near perfect she not only makes mistakes but that scene with her grandmother is a real like you get i mean we can tell it's like oh 
Wow, you, you, you done, actually you done screwed up. Well, but it's like with grandma, there's actually an X on your report card with grandma. Yeah. Like that's got to have been really, really hard. Yeah. Um, so we're gonna have to guess because the only source we have is her. But it feels very yeah. accurate. And do we feel we get to know the subject better after having watched this? Yes, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. I, I mean, this is probably one of those uncomfortable ones where she probably gets people coming up to her on the street going, I feel like I know you. Yeah, I'm inside you now. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're walking the night in my skin. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it, and that's true of any kind of mass medium. Like, anybody we, we encounter in a mass medium, we feel like we know them when, in fact, we know nothing about them having seen them in a movie. Or yeah, even but this. It, but when right? you see something like this, it's like, well, you're telling us all about yourself, so now we know everything about you. Yeah, and we're Spoiler! Fine. No, we don't. Yeah. But... Yeah, no, I think we, we learn... I think she shows us a lot. I think it's a very personal and it's a very brave uh, piece of work, because she does show it warts and all. Yeah, and it's still being banned places. Even in this country, there's plenty of schools. And this is the weird part. Now, I haven't said the, seen the graphic novel, so I don't know if it's that much different than the film, but apparently the reasons that um, school districts and stuff are getting flack from parents are because of the sexual situations. Because mm, I don't know if they... I mean, she does have two sexual... Well, several... Well, uh, one of them, they literally come out of the bushes. Like, you yeah. don't see anything. I don't know how graphic... If it's anything like it is in the movie, it's not graphic at all. I mean, there's no nudity. There's... It, it's not even really that suggestive. <laughs> the first guy she falls in love with, it's so sad and funny. It's like the next morning he comes out of the bushes, he's like, Hey, thanks for helping me find out I'm gay. See ya! <laughs> <laughs> thank wow. you. And he's I love that he's hugging her going thank you so much and she's like with this forced grin you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then the second guy she I, falls I like how him. when she, her second boyfriend Marcus how yeah. we see him he, he he's drawn completely differently before he breaks up with her or she catches him cheating and then he she suddenly re retells all the memories and he's this disgusting grotesque looking creature picking his nose and yeah be, it's it's really well done well and the thing that's great is that both depictions are obviously overblown just yeah. in different ways yeah you know that the truth is somewhere in between yeah um, he wasn't this perfect angel before either no no um i i pretty much made it through my notes how about you yeah nope i've got them all well then we're gonna have to go to that up. portion. Yeah, the, well, the roundup, but yes. Yeah. The roundup. So, Mike, what do you think of this movie? <laughs> <laughs> I, always, I always try to beat you. I don't know why. It's not a competition. I don't either. Um, in general, I liked it a lot. Um, I think she's a good storyteller. Yes, it's her own story, but uh, if I had to sit down and tell my autobiography, I don't know how that would come out. How about you? Mm. Would you be able to do that? Oh, I don't think so. I, it would be it would be too uncomfortable, honestly. Yeah. I don't think I have the guts that she does to yeah. just take those parts and put them up there for everyone to see. Yeah, um, th the animation's really very simplistic and it works great. I was never once thinking, oh, if this was only more realistic or smoother or three D nope. or any of that. It is exactly what it needs to be. Even um, the fact that it's ninety nine percent of it's in black and white. Only the present is in color. Yeah, everything else is in black and white and. That's fine. That worked really well. The only thing I will say, and it's also, to be fair, 
for what it's depicting, I was expecting it to be a lot more depressing than it was, and thankfully it was not as hard to watch as I was worried it was going to be, which is not the film's problem, it's mine. I, The ending is very abrupt. Like, mm. it very quickly ends. And I didn't understand, because of her actions in the beginning of the film, I misinterpreted it. Because she's just in the airport in Orly, right? In mm -hmm. France. Yeah. I thought she would, because she doesn't leave the airport. She's just sitting there. Right. My thought was she was, and they show her looking at a flight to Tehran. Right. You, it, you thought that she was going back. In yeah. That, so yeah. Yeah, I thought so too. It looks, it does come across that way. And at the end you realize, no, she's just girding herself. She's come to France and she's girding herself to leave the airport and enter this new world. Yeah, and so that part was confusing to me, and mm. I think that, honestly, the color portions of the film could have been clearer. Um, and also yeah, I can, I can see that. The, the film ending as, as quickly as it does, and I don't mind having an ending where she doesn't know what's going to happen because she didn't know what was going to happen. She's basically yeah. like, I can't go back to Iran ever again. I'm going to go and live in France and see how that goes. And apparently, at least partially, it went well. She's still an activist and stuff, but yeah. I think it's well worth seeing um, it's only an hour and a half, which again, she doesn't like try to drag things out. Yep. It tells you things about the people without dwelling on the textbook or political stuff. So yeah, I, I thought it was actually pretty good. How about yeah. you? I liked it. I think it's, re I think it's really well done. Uh, I think it's a very effective, I think it's a, a really interesting window into a world I know very little about mm. and a culture that is very different and both sometimes confusing and threatening. Yeah. And it's nice to see them as people. Uh, I really like it. Again, I agree. The bracketing mechanism's a little awkward, and the ending is a little abrupt. And it does kind of leave you wondering what happens next, which is good, but we aren't told. Yeah. And I, uh, yeah. I also appreciate being educated, like because yeah. I know I was, right? But it was done in a way, it's just like, yeah, we're not going to make you like list things or, or dates. Come meet the people. This is what we're really like. That I liked. And it's like, okay, now I know a little bit more about Iranian people. Yeah. No, I think it's really good. I'm, I'm glad I saw it again. Cool. Well, <laughs> if you would be so kind, ah, I'd yes. love it if you would repeat our poll question and tell us how people can answer us. Sure. So, if you were going, if you were going to have Bumpy beaten to death with Mike, or Mike beaten to death with Bumpy, which would you... That's I'm sorry. not the question. <laughs> oh, right. That's next week. Sorry. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, basically, a sort of a, a counterpoint to last week's question. Is there a book that you really like that you would love to see made into a movie that has not been made into a movie? And what is it? And you can tell us your answer at any of a number of places, most of which you probably already know. You can uh, leave a comment on our website at maxmikemovies.com where we have the complete catalog of our back references and the eventual home of the Bumpy Hut catalog. And hey, order quick, things with your. Hmm? do you want to mention the little update to the website that's happened? Oh yes, you now can, uh, if you leave a, a comment, you can check a box and you will be notified who replies to your comment. Cool. Yeah, you can be emailed that way. You can also find us, of course, on the medias of socialness. Uh, Facebook and Twitter under Max Mike Movies. That you can leave us comments that way, at least on Facebook. I guess you can leave it on Twitter for all six of our followers to read. <laughs> you think I'm ex I'm exaggerating? 
Uh, we're, we're, you can find us on the podcast app of your choice or on Spotify, although I don't think you can answer the question that way. Or you can, of course, email us at us at maxmikemovies.com. Or you can call Mike on his home phone, which I will uh, now... Bumpy! Which is, bumpy, which is, now, which is by salad. the way, listed in large flashing numbers on our website. As poop, bumpy, poop! Now. <laughs> so, what's our next movie, Michael? Well, next week we are, in fact, finally bringing this series to a close. Uh, we said we were last week, but we didn't because there's quite, actually we might even come back to this one. Uh, and hey, there's another comment you can leave. Did you like the uh, semi-real people? Because there's yeah. lots more to choose from. Oh, tons of them. You want to hear more biopics? Have another series? Let us know. Yeah, um, I would like to go in a different direction. I'd go like to go to something a little lighter, a little fluffier, a little happier, a little bit oh, more musical. Nice. Um, sure. I thought we would go to uh, a film that's just I don't know. It's kind of heartwarming. And just fun. I think and... you're lying. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's true from a certain point of view. <laughs> yes, Obi-Wan, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> I lied. Uh, <laughs> next week, we're going to be finishing up this series with the Ed Harris vehicle, Pollock. A film uh, about the Kevin story Pollock. about a famous kind of fish. No, no, no. About the oh. comedian Kevin Pollock, who uh, started <laughs> films such as um, uh, Usual Suspects and, well, you know. Ben Willow. And Willow, yes. Too many to name here. No, no. It is about the painter Jackson Pollock and what a fun, upbeat, happy song oh, and Lord. dance guy that he was. And So if you would like to come and sing and dance and paint your way into <laughs> our hearts next week, please join us, won't you? Uh, welcome to Sing Along with the Jackson Pollock Show. <laughs> This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench.